Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We consider it an honor to host you. You can stay up to date with us at BethesdaChurch.tv or on Instagram. Now let's get ready for the message. Good morning, Bethesda Church. It's so good to see you today, uh, not physically, but at least we're able to come into your house. Uh, so excited um, to be bringing this worship experience into your home today. The snow has been beautiful over the last two weekends, but the timing could not be worse. Uh, we miss you guys. Uh, hopefully next weekend, uh, we won't have a snowstorm on a Saturday night and we can gather together. Um, but I am excited about the series that we're kicking off today. We're starting a brand new series entitled Shipwrecked. Go ahead and type that in the chat uh, right there. Type the word shipwrecked. Uh, and it's kind of um, off of, you know, the, the word uh, shipwrecked, it, the ship part of that comes off relationship. So relationship wrecked. Um, and, and so I believe that God wants to speak to us about our relationships over the next few weeks. And I believe that um, we're going to uncover a lot of content in this series that I believe will be beneficial to all of your relationships. This is not a dating series. This is not a marriage series. Uh, this is re- uh, a relationship series that I believe will benefit all the relationships that you have. And so some of the things that I'm going to be looking at in this series is what do I look for in my relationships? What do I look for in in those relationships? What do I uh, look for as it relates to character in those relationships? Another great question is how do I categorize my relationships? See, when you get a person who you are connected with and you put them in the wrong category, you are asking for extreme amounts of hurt and disappointment. Relationships and how they work are extremely important and and they are life-defining that we become um, who we hang out with. And so it's really, really important that, that we apply these principles and there's not a person watching today that uh, hasn't been hurt or scarred by relationship. Not one of us. We've all been hurt. We've all been scarred by relationship. And I'm going to call this first message trolling. Yeah, you can go ahead and hashtag trolling right there, right now. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, oh my goodness, is he preaching a message on trolling people on social media? Well, we may save that for another time, uh, but I want to talk about trolling as it relates to um, Boating or a nautical term, trolling. If you look at that word trolling, uh, it means a method of fishing where one or more fishing lines baited with lures or bait fish are drawn through the water. This may be behind a moving boat or by slowly winding the line in, in when fishing from a static position or even sweeping the line from side to side. Trolling is used to catch fish such as salmon, mackerel, and kingfish. Now, I want, I want to give you an idea of what uh, trolling is. And so I got a few pictures. Go ahead and throw up that first picture, guys. I want them to see this. All right. Several lines at the same time. Come on, show them the next picture. Okay. More lines all at the same time catching a multitude of fish. Another picture I want you to see, check this one out. All right, that's, that's kind of what trolling is. We want to catch multiple fish, different kinds of fish, and, and that's kind of connected to our relationships. Through life, we, we're, we're trolling, if you will. We meet a ton of people, and so we get connected to a lot of different people, but when you are troll fishing, you, uh, usually you, you are fishing for a specific type of fish. You're looking for something. And so what will happen is, is you may keep some of the fish that you catch, but we also know you're going to throw some back in. Now, I am not a fisherman. I hadn't, been, I hadn't gone fishing in years until September of 2020. Uh, I went deep sea fishing because I knew some people that knew what they were doing. And, uh, and check this out. I want to show you this picture of a fish I caught. 
Yeah, that's right. That's your pastor right there, baby. Not because I knew what I was doing, but I was with people that knew what they were doing. Go ahead and type trolling in that chat real quick. This is going to be so good today because our relationships are a lot like troll fishing. When uh, we, we go through life, we run into people over our lifetime, and just like troll fishing, we have to decide if we're going to keep the relationship or keep fishing. And let me say this, there is not a person watching today that has not been scarred by a relationship where you expected to get this from a relationship, but instead of getting what you expected, you got something different. And the result was hurt and disappointed. disappointment. Now, let me say this up front. We are commanded by God to love people, but loving people and trusting people are not the same thing. By the command of God, I have to love you, but that does not mean I have to trust you. I love everyone, but I trust very few. And so we, we have to navigate our relationships accordingly. We love people, but we don't trust everyone. Proverbs chapter 13, verse number 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. In other words, we become like the people we are connected to. Proverbs 27 and 6 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. We could rephrase that and say it like this. It's more dangerous to receive encouragement from an enemy than it is an actual wound from a friend. So as we are navigating our relationships today, and as we move throughout our life, um, I, we, we need to stop long enough and ask, what are we looking for in our relationships? And this is important because there's a lot of different types of people. There are some people that it seems that pain and drama follows them everywhere they go. They are a magnet for disappointment and pain. Some people are what we refer to as enablers. They, enabler everyone, they enable everyone around them to continue in behavior that destroys their life. Uh, there are some people who just exude joy and peace and, and things like that, good, good qualities, good character qualities that we need to be connected to. But if I were to ask everybody online, what are you looking for when you are looking for a friend? When you're looking for a friend, what is it that you are looking for? I think most of us would say, without any hesitation, we're looking for someone who is fun-loving. We're looking for someone who is easygoing, someone with very little drama, someone that can make me laugh, someone who is goal-oriented. And all of these things are good, but the problem with that list is that none of that has to do with character. See, when you're looking for a friend, we are now looking for character. We are now in the process of character assessment. We are looking for things not that are connected to their personality traits, but rather we go beyond personality and we start looking into their character. So we're not looking for personality, we're looking for character. And I can't tell you uh, my struggles or my weaknesses just because you are fun-loving because one day you may decide to have fun with my faults. And so I got to be very careful with whom I share information with. And I think the church has done a poor job on assessing character as it relates to relationships. We're very much in to personality. We want to be connected to people that have a personality that we can roll with or connect to. But we need to start asking some deeper questions. What is their character? And a lot of times we don't do that and therefore we get into trouble. The thing we have to understand is that sometimes God wants to put some people in our life and their personality may rub us the wrong way, but because they have character, that God is going to use that person to knock some things out of us, but also to deposit some things into us. And so it's not about personality, it's about 
character. And we can see this uh, with what God says about marriage and about uh, a man finding a wife. We know what Proverbs 31 says. It starts out in Proverbs 31.10 saying that a wife needs to be one of noble character. And then verses 11 all the way through, I think it is um, 31, like 21 verses in a row, it gives detail on what good character looks like. Not one thing in that list has to do, has to do with personality. It's all character-based. 1 Corinthians tells us that we are to love. And, and every definition of love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, none of it has to do with feeling. It, it, it says love is patient, love is kind, love is long-suffering, love keeps no record of wrongs. And so it doesn't deal with, with feeling, it deals with a decision. And you may say, well, pastor, I just have butterflies in my stomach over this person. And, and, and that's great, but one day the butterflies may fly out. Then what? So it's not just a feeling I've got to make a decision, but my decision needs to be connected to fact, and the fact should be they have character. Not just a good personality, but they have character. And so when it comes to relationships, a few things I want you to jot down today. Number one, there are some relationships that I need to initiate. There are some relationships I need to initiate. Sometimes we continue through life with our same circle and we never initiate new relationships. And, and a lot of us, because we don't, we don't open ourselves up to the possibility of connecting with new people, we go through life with voids. We feel empty because we need to initiate some relationships, some voices that can speak into our lives. Listen, if you don't have a friend that every once in a while can say, hey, you're acting like a fool, then you don't have real friends. You need some people that, that are not afraid to say, hey, that, that, that's not the way you should handle that. You need some people in your life that are anointed by God to say, you know what, I prayed for you this morning and here's what I feel God has shown me about your situation where they can speak into your life and whether or not uh, it's something you want to hear or don't want to hear, you respect them enough because of their character that you can receive that word. Listen, we have to initiate new relationships. Don't be afraid to get connected with some new people. Not only are there some relationships that I need to initiate, secondly, there are some relationships I need to cultivate. Now, what I mean by this is uh, usually when we have to cultivate a relationship, it means that the relationship used to be good, but something happened and now the relationship isn't what it used to be. And, and so it, it requires cultivation. I, I've got to uh, bring this dead relationship back to life, if you will, uh, which means it's going to require work. Sometimes it requires an apology. Sometimes it requires uh, forgiving them for whatever it is that they did. But I have to cultivate that relationship. I've got to work on it. And in case you haven't figured this out, I'm going to remind you today that all relationships are work and all relationships have to be intentional. No relationship stays where you left it. Okay, it never stays where you left it. You have to constantly be pouring in to all of your relationships, whether that be a marriage, whether that be a sister, a mom, a dad, uh, a brother, a friend, a cousin, whoever it is. If you want that relationship to grow, you gotta be willing to cultivate it. And so I need to initiate some relationships, but also cultivate some. And here's uh, one that we don't think about often, but very important. There are some relationships that I need to eliminate. I'm going to say that again. Some relationships that I need to eliminate. Some of us have gotten connected with people who have become toxic. I don't know if you've ever experienced that before, but sometimes you, you're, you're connected to someone and, and their character used to be good, but their character isn't what it used to be. And, and so that relationship pulls on you 
uh, so much so that it's constantly draining you. You feel empty. They don't ever reciprocate what you're pouring into them. They never give it back. And listen, that is an abusive relationship. And you got to be able to recognize those and eliminate those relationships. Because when we are troll fishing, check this out, we don't keep everything that we catch. Sometimes we have to throw some fish back in the water. I just wonder today if there's some people in your life that, 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 that they are pulling on you, they are draining you, they are keeping you up at night, they're not sowing back into your life. I wonder if God is saying maybe you need to let that relationship go. And it doesn't mean you got to let it go forever. They may change. They, they may figure it out and, and, and you be able to restore that relationship. But until then, you may have to tell some folks I don't need your drama 24-7. You need to figure some things out and we'll revisit this relationship. Now, Jesus, he taught a principle in Matthew chapter number 7. And he applies this principle to a certain group of people. And uh, he's actually applying it to uh, teachers and and those that, that lead others. But it's applicable to all people. But look at Matthew 7 starting in verse number 16. It says, By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and it's thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. It's amazing when we read this text, it's amazing what we want versus where we go to get it. Sometimes we say we want fruitful relationships, but instead of going to a tree that is producing good fruit, we end up going to a tree that is producing bad fruit. And so we say we want to be fruitful, but what we want versus where we go are two different things. Jesus said, if you want a grape, you don't go to a thorn bush. That if you want a fig, you don't go to the thistles. And Christians, I hate to say it, are notorious for trying to get advice from people whose lives are filled with dysfunction. We, we, we go get marriage advice from people who fight all the time. We go get spiritual advice from people sometimes that have never done anything for God, yet we want them to speak into our life. We, we go to people that don't have money and ask them how to manage money. And so we, we've got to be smarter than that as it relates to our relationships and make sure if we're, if we're connecting to someone that we can actually pour into them, but they also can pour back into us. See, when you look for character, you can fool, you, when, when, when you look for character, you can't fool people for a long time. Now, personality, you can fool me for a lifetime. But character will eventually show itself. If it's not there, they won't be able to act like it's there. If they're a liar, guess what? You're going to catch them in a lie. If, if they are kind, then your kindness is going to leak out of them. If, if, if they're not loyal, it's not going to take you long to figure that out. If they are honorable, you're going to see that quickly. You can't fool people with character over the long haul. You can fool them with personality. And Jesus is basically telling us that, you know, if it's an orange tree, the fruit is oranges. If it's an apple tree, then the fruit is apples. A good tree bears good fruit. A bad tree bears bad fruit. And so the people that do not bear the fruit that God is expecting, I want you to hear me. If they're not bearing the fruit that God expects out of them, then you cannot trust that relationship. You cannot trust that that relationship, especially in confidence. 
Like you, that's not a relationship you're going to share intimate details of your life with that person. You're not going to do that. And so, uh, I, again, I have to love you by the command of God. Like I have to. That's scriptural. I have to obey that. But I do not have to trust. My trust has to be earned. And my trust is earned as you meet qualifications to be in my life. Some of you, the reason your life is always pulled down is that you have zero qualifications for people to be in your life. And there should be a ton of qualifications for people to be in your life. Like they can't, just because they show up, if they have bad character and it's a person that you probably need to eliminate, they, they don't get access to you just because we think by loving them, they get to connect with me. No, baby, there are some qualifications to be my friend. And if you're not willing to meet these qualifications, matter of fact, I believe that if I'm going to be your friend, that you should have some qualifications before you allow me to be your friend. There ought to be a standard as it relates to our relationships. See, if you're looking for fruit, what kind of fruit are you looking for? What kind of fruit are you looking for? Well, Galatians 5 tells us the kind of fruit we're looking for. It says in verse 22 through 25, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit, Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. And and so a lot of times we're so desperate for relationships that we say things like, he's handsome. Or she's beautiful. Or they make me laugh. And and, and that's, that's like as deep as we go. But the question is, is do they have the fruit of the Spirit? Do they have evidence that the Holy Spirit lives in them? Not just in them prophesying or speaking in tongues, but do they have actual fruit? Do they have fruit in their life? And and the reason we have to look for fruit is because all of us, and I want you to go ahead and, and grab this, all of us are imperfect. So I'm not teaching today you look for perfect people because you're not going to find any. But, but the point is, the reason we look for fruit is because when my cracks start showing, will you love me anyway? When, when uh, my weaknesses come to the forefront, will you help me anyway? And, and so that's why it's important that we look for the fruit in a person's life. Um, if, if, if you are something, and this is one of the things that, that drives me crazy with, with people is that if you are something, you don't have to keep telling me you are that. If you are something, you don't have to keep telling me you are that. Like you, you, you keep telling me you're a loving person. But what I have learned over time is that if you have to keep telling me you're something, it's a good indication you're not that at all. Like if you have to tell me I got lots of money and you got to tell me that all the time. I have found people who say that a lot of times they're one step ahead of the creditors. They don't have any money. They like talking about it. Like if you are something, you don't have to keep saying you are something. That if you say you're a loving person, guess what? We will recognize you're a loving person. You don't have to tell us. If you're a kind person, we're going to see your kindness. You, you say, well, Pat, I'm a generous person. You won't even share your cookies with me. Please don't keep telling me you're a generous person. And, and so we don't have to keep saying we are something if we're really that. Sometimes people will say, well, Pastor, what do you want us to call you? That's a big question I get. What do you want us to want us to call you. You want to be called pastor? You want to be called bishop? What do you, what do you want to be called? And, and, and honestly, I don't care. I say, call me what you see. If you see me as your pastor, call me that. If you don't, don't call me that. I'm just saying, if you are something, then you don't have to tell everybody. And so I want you to grab hold of that. Like, if you have to tell people you're a Christian, listen, 
That's not a good indicator you're a Christian. Like, they should be able to see that long before you, you have to keep saying it. Like, there are some fruit that come along with serving Jesus that, that is recognizable, that I can see in a person's life. And, and a lot of times, we, we want people to look at our fruit, but we want them to believe something different. We say, look at my fruit, but... In order for them to do that, they have to see that we're not bearing the fruit that we're proclaiming, yet we want them to believe that we are. Some people want to get married so bad, so desperately, that they have to lie to themselves about what they see in their future spouse. They, they want to get married so bad that they blind themselves to the fruit that is right in front of them. They ignore wise counsel. They, they ignore uh, family members that say, you, you may want to wait about this. We see some things that, that you should be alarmed about or concerned about. And even spiritual advice where they say, you may want to wait and see if, if that person starts developing some fruit in their life. And, and we, we want something so desperately that we will bypass bad fruit and connect with them anyway. And I want to say, examine the fruit and see if the tree really is what it claims to be. It, it, is it really what it says it is? Like if it's an orange tree, maybe there, there better be some oranges on it. There better be some apples on the apple tree. And it's critical that we understand the different types of relationships that we have. And watch this, the parameters and the boundaries for those relationships to work. Some people in the church, watch this, have zero boundaries, zero qualifications. Everybody gets in. And they wonder why they're constantly in a state of, of, of confusion, of frustration, but you gotta set some standards. If you're gonna be a person that bears fruit and has good quality uh, character, then you also need to be looking for that in other people. It doesn't mean that you can't be acquainted with them. It doesn't mean that you can't, you, you, you're not to be nice to them. But you can't let everybody in your inner circle. Jesus didn't even let everybody in his inner circle. Even Jesus had some qualifications to be intimate with him while he was on the earth. And some of us, let's be honest, we're mad at people right now. But the truth is, the people we're mad at, it's not their fault. The people we're mad at, what happened in many cases is, is that we put them in the wrong category. I'm going to hit this a lot deeper. We had them in the wrong category. You have to categorize your relationships. Not everybody in your life is on the same level. Not everybody on your life is at the same level of of intimacy with you at least they shouldn't be all right if we want relationships that are not dysfunctional we have to learn how to categorize them and because we fail to categorize them we have an expectation for someone but we have them in the wrong category had we placed them in the right category then we wouldn't be as disappointed or as upset or as mad as we are, but it's not their fault. I'm not saying what they did was right or wrong. I'm just saying if you had them in the wrong category and you expected more of them than what that category of people can give you, then it's not their fault you're so bitter. you got to categorize your relationships. And the relationships that hurt us the most are the ones we deem the closest. Like they, nobody can hurt you more than someone who is really close to you, a spouse, a longtime friend, somebody that you've been connected to for many, many years. And so there's, there, there's categories of relationships. And I'm going to give you some examples of this to walk it out practically because I, I, I hear things all the time as a pastor uh, and, and being in church my whole life. I hear people say things uh, and, and it's like, man, you if you could categorize better and set different expectations, you wouldn't be so frustrated. You, you, you'll have some people say, well, I'm gonna quit my job. And, the, and you say, well, why are you quitting your job? Well, I, you know, I, I, nobody supports me there. I can't find any friends at this job. 
And, and I don't want to be mean today, but who told you that the workplace is where you find friends? I don't know who set that expectation for you. What, what, what is work? I mean, and what, what, what does it mean to go to a place of work? I, and I'm going to say it real bold. When we go to work, listen, we go to work for one thing. Pay me. I'm not coming to find a date. I'm not get, coming to get a hug. I don't need counsel. I don't need guidance. I'm exchanging my time for a paycheck. Pay me. That, so if I go to work, and instead of looking for the end result is a paycheck for my services, but I'm looking for emotional support, or I'm looking for counsel, or a best friend, then I have put those relationships in the wrong category. And some people do this with friendships. They, they, um, they sleep with your friend, but I want you to know that you don't sleep with your friends. Because you are now putting that relationship in a category that it doesn't belong in. And what is the end result of that? Hurt, disappointment, not just from we know sex outside of marriage is wrong, but you, you're, you're doing that with a person that is a friend. Like, I know you think it's friends with benefits, but that's going to bring a lot of pain into your life because you have opened them up to something, a, a, a part of your life that they did not belong in. Take it a step further. You don't tell acquaintances your secrets. Have you ever met someone that as soon as you met them, they just started like spilling the beans. It's like they tell you all their drama, all their stuff, everybody they're mad at. Like, I just met you. This is heavy. But it's because they don't categorize relationships. They don't know who to speak to and what information to give them. And so I want to talk to you real quick about these three different types of relationships that I think will help you know who you can share secrets with and what the other relationships represent in your life so that we don't get people in the wrong category and then we have unmet expectations. And listen, all anger, every person who's angry, it's because an expectation wasn't met. All right? And so let's, let's help with that by setting proper expectations so that we don't have to be mad at every relationship. If I categorize them appropriately, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help me not be frustrated. The first type of relationship is what we would call constituents. Now, a constituent is a person that is not for you, okay, but they are for what you are for. So the relationship exists because you have something in common. They are temporary in nature. They come in and out of your life. There are people who are drawn together for a cause. They're drawn together for a purpose. You, you could take a Fortune 500 company who they want to unveil a new product. And so what do they do? They'll bring all the departments. Maybe they have 10 or 12 departments and they'll bring all the department heads into one meeting because they want to talk about this new product. And as they bring all the department heads together into one place to talk about a new product, listen, that, those, that, that's constituents. We are here because we're for the same thing. We have the same cause. We're all working on this together. And so you got to be able to recognize your constituents, the people that are simply for what you are for. Uh, the second group are your comrades. A comrade is different than a constituent in that a comrade, they're not for what you're for. They're for what you're against, or, or they're against what you're against. And so if you're against gun violence, they're against gun They, they are for the same things that uh, you are. Like, they're against the same things. I'll get that right in just a second. So if you're against um, sex trafficking and you're working hard to shut that down and they have that same passion and so the reason you're connected is because you're both against the same thing you both have a common enemy the United States has certain nations that we don't like very well but sometimes we will join forces with nations we don't like because we have a greater enemy 
Does that make sense? So the reason this relationship exists, it's not that you know, we see eye to eye on everything, but we are against the same things. And so that, are, that, that is your comrades. We're against the same things. But the relationship that most people want is this third type, and it's your confidants. These are the people who are, they're not for what you're for, and they're not against what you are against, but these are the people who love you. So it doesn't matter what you're for, doesn't matter what you're against, they're gonna be in your corner no matter what. They love you for you, they're for you. If you come in to, how do you know if you have a confidant in your life? If you walk into their office and you tell them you just experienced a victory in your life, God did something for you, a confidant is gonna stop what they're doing, throw their pen down, jump up, and celebrate that victory with you. On the other hand, if you walk in and you're crying, tears streaming down your face, you know you got a confidant because they're gonna jump up even if they're in a, in a moment of victory and they're gonna stop their celebration to come cry with you because they're not for what you're for or against what you're against, they are for you. They love you. And, and so a lot of times we're trying to share the intimate details of our life with people that have not uh, risen to the level of a confidant. They're not, they're not celebrating our victories. They're not crying with us when we mourn. Uh, they're, they're not, they don't, we're not doing that with people that love us for us no matter what we're for or against. And so we end up giving people access to our heart that they don't really need that type of access. The result is we get hurt. The result is we become frustrated. But a confidant will love you. They will stand with you. Your victories, their victories. Listen, the real, the real confidants in your life, it's what the word of God says, they will rejoice when you rejoice. They'll mourn when you mourn. If you're in trouble, guess what? If you got a confidant, they're in trouble. If you, have, if you got money and have a confidant, they got money. If you, can't, if you don't have two nickels to rub together, then they don't have two nickels to rub. They are with you. They are for you no matter what. They're going to be in your corner. And the reason this is important is because James chapter 5, and please don't log off yet because I'm, I'm getting to where I'm going. James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray, pray for one another that you may be healed. This is so important, and we, we've, we've dealt with this verse so many times, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna phrase this in a, in a different way that I think will help us. I cannot get healed until I can get it out. I cannot get healed until I can get it out. And some of us, because our relationships are so surface, we don't really have people that we can really trust with the intimate details of our life. And so we can never get it out. Therefore, we, we are never healed. Do you know what depression is? Depression is, I can never talk about it. Depression is, I can never get it out. I don't, I don't have anyone that I can tell this to. You don't confess your faults to constituents or comrades. You confess your faults to confidants. The word here uh, in, in James 5, 16, depending on what version you read, some, some versions say confess your sins, some say weaknesses, some, some translations say trespasses, but we did a study of this word and, and it's really the word for weaknesses. That's the word. Confess your weaknesses to one another. We don't blab our weaknesses to everyone. We don't tell everybody our stuff. Because listen, it's important that we tell the right people, but we don't tell everyone. And secrets are powerful. Things that are in us that we can't get out, that's keeping us from being healed, secrets are like plutonium. In, in, in other words, in the right environment, 
that's going to become a bomb. In the right environment, I'm going, I'm going to explode on somebody in a way that I really don't want to, but it, it, it's not that I'm a bad person. Check me out. It's not that you're a bad person if that's happened. It's that you didn't have anybody in your circle where you could get it out in a, in a proper way, in a healthy way. And I know many of you are watching this right now and you're thinking, Pastor, I I really don't have anybody to talk to, no one to listen. I don't trust the circle that I have right now. I I, I can't really tell them what I feel, you know. And and, and sometimes it's because we, we, we don't trust the relationship enough to be able to say what we feel, to get healed. But at the same time, we don't even know if they can handle how we feel, right? Have you ever been there before? Like you're, you're thinking, I really need to get this out, but I don't know if they can handle it. And that's a tough place to be in because when I can't get it out, I become depressed. It limits me from being healed. If I can't get it out of my system, it poisons my heart. And when I get a poisoned heart, here's what that looks like. When my heart is poisoned, I don't have hope. I'm no longer dreaming. I don't have a vision for the future. My regrets are greater than, my, than where I'm headed. I, I, I got so many regrets, I can't even see to move forward. That, what, what is that? It means my heart is poisoned. It means that I've held some things down too long because I've had too many surface relationships. Too many relationships that could not handle what was in me that could not help me receive my healing the bible teaches us that silent frustrations rest only in the belly of fools silent frustrations rest only in the belly of fools in other words i'm not able to get this thing out and now It is affecting my heart. Listen, if you think you can carry all that and never release it, the Bible is saying only a fool believes they can do that. I have to wade through the crowd and I gotta be able to do character assessment and I gotta find people, not with the personality trait I like, but with the character I can trust. That if your marriage is falling apart, so many people, my marriage is falling apart, who do I tell that to? My wife's not speaking to me. Who do I tell that to? I had a surgery on my back and they prescribed pain medication. My back's better, but now I'm addicted to pain medicine. Who am I telling that to? Do you have someone? Have you assessed people's character enough that you found a friend that you can trust. That's why I'm calling this message trolling. Trolling, you gotta gotta keep fishing until you can find some people with some character that can be a blessing in your life. Not a personality that rubs you the right way, but some character traits that pour into you. But as you're looking for the right relationships, I want you to beware of three different types of people, and I'll close with this. As you're looking for the right relationships, I want you to pay attention to these three groups of people. Number one, the abandoner. The abandoner. These are the people that start with you, but they don't finish with you. They stay with you while there's still shine on your armor, but the moment that shine gives away to some cracks, they're gone because the relationship is surface. They don't stay through the trouble. They're there for your successes, but not there for your struggles. Abandoners often look for perfect people and then they disappear when they discover you're not perfect. Just in case you don't know it, I wanna remind you there are no perfect people. As we're trolling our relationships, pay attention for the abandoner. But secondly, I want you to pay attention for the critic. When you're looking for the confidant, you have to be careful for the critic. 
The critic tends to be self-righteous. They tend to be clear thinkers. They tend to have good information, but they struggle to speak the truth in love. Matter of fact, they love the fact that they are right more than they value that relationship. Now, the positive of the critic is that they really do love truth and they really do love righteousness, but being close to them leaves you filled with guilt and condemnation. They always think that they have the answer to your life. You can't ever tell them a problem without them giving you a sermon. And I want to encourage some people today that sometimes you don't have to give someone a sermon when they spill their heart. Sometimes it's okay just to listen. Not to give them three points in a poem, but to listen. To be a safe space for someone to empty their heart. No sermon attached to it. No, do A, B, and C attached to it. I'm gonna allow you to spill your heart. I may just hug you and say, I'm sorry you're going through this, but I'm with you. Not only am I with you, I'm for you. We gotta pay attention for the abandoner. We gotta pay attention to the critic. And lastly, we need to be paying attention for the irresponsible. Some of us, we're connected to some irresponsible people. I know they're fun-loving, they're living for today, they don't have a thought about tomorrow, they live in the moment, but the chances are, if your best friend is irresponsible, you probably spend a lot of time apologizing for them on their behalf. You probably have to come in and help them often because they get themselves in trouble. You apologize for them, um, you make excuses for them, and you're doing all of that because they're irresponsible. See, when we're looking for a confidant, we have to understand that no one is perfect. I've got, to, I've got to initiate some relationships, cultivate some relationships, and eliminate some relationships. In God's plan, God has designed, and some of you are not gonna like this because it hurts when relationships change. But God's, in God's plan, God has designed that some people will enter into your life and exit your life in certain seasons. But very few are called to enter your life and stay there till the very end. And some of us, we've put expectations on people that we thought would be with us till the end and because we had that expectation, we missed God's season. If you'll remember the rooted season, our life is made up of seasons. And based on the season we are in, God sends people in and out of our lives. It's not a bad thing. It just is what it is. Jesus, in his earthly ministry, he before the church was launched in the book of Acts, when Jesus was building his ministry, if you go read John chapter six, Jesus didn't take the church and the ministry from small to large, all right? When he first started, it, it was large, but he actually took it from really large to small. And, and what I want you to see with that is, in John six, you can read this, the Bible says that Thousands were following him. He had people everywhere. They were in the valley. They were on the mountaintop. They were on the seashore. Everywhere he went, they would, crowds of people would come. But in John chapter six, something happens. The Bible says that Jesus made a statement. And the statement was, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have no part with me. But if you keep reading in the very next verse, after, after that, that text, the very next verse is, at this saying, the saying of, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you have no part, the Bible says that not many, that many of his disciples turned back 
and they no longer followed Jesus. In other words, the day that Jesus required that they love him back, they left. See, if you are the only one in love, you are setting yourself up for hurt. Jesus one day said, you guys are cool as long as I'm giving out fishes and loaves, thousands of you. But the moment I ask for my love to be reciprocated back to me, you're done. You walk off. And so I end with that by saying, don't leave this online worship experience today thinking, I'm going to find perfect people. I'm going to find the perfect person. Don't go looking for the person who has the best character. Watch this. Become the person that has the best character. Go ahead right there and give a hand clap emoji or a praise hands because I think we need it. Stop, looking, stop expecting it out of everybody else when you're not becoming it. We have to become that. Jesus said, it can't just be fishes and loaves. At some point, I'm going to need you to love me back. And they said, nah, we'll receive your love. We're not going to love you back. So I want you to, in your relationships, think about becoming a person of character and having some qualifications for people to be close. And as I speak about that, I want you to know Jesus wants to be your best friend. He wants to save you. He wants to change you. He wants to turn your life around. But he is going to require that you love him back. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can go to BethesdaChurch.tv give. We'll catch you on the next episode. Have a great day.